A very good evening to you all and a special welcome if you're, uh, you're watching online and I hope we feel God's presence with us as we worship tonight. Uh, one uh, notice uh, before we start and before I forget, uh, communion is on Thursday evening so we welcome uh, all those who have been baptised and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to come and meet with us and have communion service on Thursday evening. Uh, last Thursday, as most of you probably know, had the anniversary services. We had a great reminder from John Benton about what true worship really is. And I just wanted to start with a few uh, verses to uh, focus our minds as we approach God and felt the real solemnity of, of, what, that, of wor- what worship really means. And I just want to share some of those verses that we read in Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's bow our heads before we start our worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you this evening for a time of worship. We thank you that we can come in total purity because of what the Lord Jesus has accomplished. And Lord, you know without that, our sinful hearts are black before you. But we thank you that we have this great hope and we are reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And Lord, as we come to worship this evening, we commit this hour of worship to you. We pray for your blessing to be upon it. We pray that our minds and our hearts might be focused upon you and that you will receive all the honour and all the glory. And Lord, as our hearts are lifted up, we were reminded the other day how we worship in heaven. And Lord, as there's that great uh, link there that we, uh, that we think about, Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds might be lifted up above all the concerns and cares that we have today, and all the things that are ahead of us this week, and that we might be able to enjoy the presence of God this evening. So Lord, come and be with us, uh, be, be present among us, and uh, we pray that... Uh, our, our, our hearts might be truly blessed and we might bring glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to begin with a, with a song, There is a Higher Throne. There is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. Before the sun will stand, made faultless through the Lamb, believing hearts find promised grace, Salvation comes. Let's stand and worship.
Well, we're continuing the series in 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and Paul's got the reading shortly, but before uh, we have the reading, let's pray together. Our great and heavenly Father, we come to you this evening through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we bow ourselves down knowing that we are insignificant. But Lord, we thank you that through your grace that you have changed all that and that through the Lord Jesus we are made significant. Lord, if we put our trust in you, we are an important part of your family. And as we meet tonight, Lord, it's uh, our intention to truly worship you. It's our intention, Lord, to bring you glory. And we pray that our hearts might be opened and ready to receive your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to meet. We thank you, Lord, that it's another Sunday that we can be here. But, Lord, we don't want it just to be another Sunday. Please never let the beautiful truths of the gospel grow cold on us. But, Lord, we pray that each time we open your word, we might see it fresh uh, for ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is so rich, so free, and that, Lord, it uh, satisfies our hungry souls. We thank you, Lord, that your word is unchanging and that despite our feelings going up and down during the week, Lord, your word remains firm and true. We thank you, Lord, that your promises, that even the promises that you, uh, that you made thousands of years ago stand true today and that your love and your care for us has never wavered. But, Lord, we thank you that we, our salvation is not built on our own works or thoughts. But we thank you that our salvation is built on Jesus Christ, our rock. And Lord, there's nothing more secure that we could ask for. And Lord, as, uh, as we realise who you are and how much you deserve praise, even then, Lord, we can't do it without your help. So we pray that tonight, Lord, you will fill our hearts with love towards you. And that, Lord, you will reach out to the lost sheep. That, Lord, you will turn our faces to you again. And we pray, Lord, whether for the first time or, or, or whether we just need a reminder, that, Lord, our eyes might be turned to you and we might see all that our hearts have ever wanted. And, Lord, you know the things that we're guilty of. You know the fact that we try to fill our lives with things that will make us happy and uh, things that we think will uh, give us a sense of achievement. But, Lord, nothing compares to, to the preciousness of Jesus' blood. And, Lord, we pray that we might find real joy in serving and following after you, that it might not be a hassle or a duty, but that, Lord, our, our, our whole reason for living might be to reflect your glory. And, Lord, what a privilege to know you and to be brought into your family. And we pray, Lord, that you will reach out and that more people will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, whether that be people here or the people that we know and love and live with, we pray, Lord, that uh, we might see many souls come into repentance. Lord, that there might be a, a, a stirring up in people's hearts um, to follow Jesus. And, Lord, those of us that do know you have a responsibility to, um, to, to reflect your glory and to show people what a Christian should live like. And, Lord, sometimes it feels like a really big responsibility. But give us faith, give us, uh, give us grace, give us everything we need, Lord. We, please equip us so that we might be able to be everything that you need us to be. And Lord, as we meet uh, together around your word again to, tonight, we pray that uh, we might see something 
new for ourselves, something fresh. We pray, Lord, for John as he preaches that, he, uh, that uh, he'll be able to say the things that need to be spoken and that, Lord, our hearts might respond in a right way. Uh, Lord, you know that we get fed so much information uh, at the moment. Lord, you know that it doesn't take much for us to get on our phones and, and see uh, so much. But, Lord, we pray we, do, we will see the truth in Jesus and that's what we will cling to. Lord, there will be no... Uh, that we won't cling to opinions and, and, uh, of, of anyone else. But Lord, may our heart's desire be to serve you only. And Lord, we commit our country to you. You know, Lord, that uh, we are as uh, sinful as any other country. And that, Lord, even though once uh, we had great things like the Reformation uh, here, that Lord, it doesn't feel like that anymore. And that there's, uh, we feel that there's more and more being uh, normalised, Lord, that goes against your word. And we pray for forgiveness for us as a country, that, Lord, you will have mercy upon us uh, because it feels like we're getting further and further away from you. But help us as Christians, Lord, to be shining lights in the world, to show people the way uh, of Jesus. And, Lord, we pray for our government who are still dealing with the pandemic and uh, many other issues as well. And, Lord, you know the sad news over the weekend. And, Lord, it just highlights the, the corruptness, corruptness of... Uh, of sinful mankind and we pray Lord that you will lead and guide our government that Lord you will put people in place who can be trustworthy who will have the people's interests at heart and that Lord you will uh, that you, that you will help these leaders now we, we pray for Boris Johnson Lord and all the responsibility he has and we pray that he will know the wisdom of God and, um, and that, that he might turn to your word for, for the wisdom that, and counsel that he needs and Lord, we, we thank you that your word, is, that your word uh, is strong and powerful. We thank you that, Lord, there is no one that is too bad uh, to be saved. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you reach out to the lost and they were the people that you came to save. And we rejoice, Lord, and, and, and may that just encourage us to take the word to, to, uh, to everyone we know. And uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, many souls will turn to Christ and, uh, and, and bring glory to you, and your church will be built. So bless us now, Lord, we pray. As we come together um, f- uh, uh, to, to hear more from 2 Corinthians, we pray that that passage will be opened up to us, that you will help John to speak and us to listen, and we pray, Lord, that above all, you will be honoured and glorified. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading this evening is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning at verse 7 and we're reading right through to chapter 5 and verse 10. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus 
may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are seen, unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Before John uh, explains that word to us, and there's a lot in that passage, uh, we're going to stand for another song, and which ties in nicely to, uh, to that passage. Forever with the Lord, amen, so let it be. Life from the dead is in that word, it is immortality. Here in the body, sorry, my eyes are really shot. Here in the body pent, absent from him I roam, yet nightly pitch my moving tent. A day's march nearer home. Let's stand to sing.
Just one slight amendment to what I said this morning about uh, watching the wedding, those who want to. Um, there is a, a code on the bulletin, but you can also next week watch it through the Forest Fold website if you want to do it that way. Yeah. 2 Corinthians, end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5. We had a bigger passage read to us, reminded us of uh, some of what we looked at last time. Going to home in, especially on verses uh, 4.16 through to 5 verse 8. Uh, life can be hard, can't it? Perhaps it is for you at the moment. It was for Paul. Uh, the Christian life can be hard. Perhaps it is for you at the moment. It certainly was for Paul as he wrote this. Christian service can be hard. Perhaps it is for you at the moment. It certainly was for Paul when he wrote this. We've had words like uh, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. We saw those in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4. He felt as though his outward man was wasting away. Verse 16, his outward man, his physical frame was wasting away. Perhaps many of us feel like that. To some extent when we're out of our 30s and going onwards, we all feel like it to a bit of an extent and perhaps some feel it at an earlier stage. The energy levels the sight, the reflexes, the memory, joints creak, waterwork problems, back problems, breathing problems. For some there's multiple problems, a weak heart and arthritis and dietary limitations and diabetes. Perhaps the GP has a hard job trying to balance out all your drugs so as not to offset the side effects of other things that he's treating you with. Perhaps it's like that for some here, and perhaps it's like that for those who can't be here. You're watching on, you're listening in, and uh, you're knowing something of the outward man perishing. It is your daily experience. So it was like that for Paul and yet he keeps going and he encourages others to keep going. In verse 15 he says, So we do not lose heart. In chapter 5 and verse 6 he says, So we are always of good courage. In verse 8 of chapter 5, he says, yes, we are of good courage. How do you do that, Paul? How do you keep going when things are so hard for you in your life, in your Christian life, in your Christian service? Would you like to know what keeps Paul going? What is it that will keep us going through the difficulties, through the frailties, through the deterioration? Well, we've seen it's the greatness of the Gospel. We saw that in chapter 3 as he thinks about the ministry he's involved with. 
Uh, Last time we thought about the fact it's the power of God at work in him. In fact, you do get that in verse 16. Verse 16 is a bit of a bridge verse from last time to this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. He knew the resurrection power of Christ at work in his life. So that was part of it. But also what kept him going was a glimpse of the future. A gaze at the future. And that's more the theme for this evening. Gazing at the future. Realising we're heading home. Verse 18 talks about the fix of his gaze. As we look, as we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, passing, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So you picture the athlete sprinter. We see them in the summer if the Olympics goes ahead and all before the race and through the race, their gaze is fixed at the finishing post. Contrast, many a a young lad starting to play football has his head down, she has her head down and dribbles the ball going round and round and the coaches want them to look up because there's a great pass on or there's an opportunity to shoot but it's head down, dribble round and round and they need to look up and look ahead and get their gaze right. This evening we're being encouraged to raise our heads to gaze ahead, to look ahead with certainty Chapter 5, verse 1, for we know, for we know. Verse 6 of chapter 5, we are always of good courage, we know. He's reminding them of things that they know and need to keep in mind. So I want to encourage you, Christian, this evening to, to look ahead. I want to remind you of what you know. And if you're not a Christian, in a way I hope that this evening um, makes you a bit green, um, makes you wish you had this, uh, in a way unsettles you about the uncertainty of your future. It might make you want to um, have a chat with a Christian about the hope that they have, the hope that's within them and ask them about it so that it might become the position that you are in, where you can say, this is your future. Now these verses, as we go through them, um, show at least four things, four changes that are ahead, four new things. Much of it is picture language, picturing how the future is going to be as he unpacks the the resurrection hope that believers have. So let's go through those. The first we could call a change of experience. A change of experience. Let me read verses 17 and 18 where this particularly comes out. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. Well, what is now? Now is affliction, that is hardship, that is trouble, that is suffering. What is the future? It is glory, it is bliss, it is happiness, it is thrill, it is enjoyment, it is satisfaction. The affliction now is, is felt. It's what we see. It's our current experience. It is, according to these verses, passing. It is, according to these verses, light. The glory, unseen, but eternal and weighty. So you imagine a a seesaw and somebody sort of is judging in their mind whether the suffering is worth it. Which really weighs more, the suffering now or the glory ahead? And on one side of the seesaw you put on your bag, your rucksack of current suffering. It feels quite weighty to you actually and you've got, you've got psychological difficulties and you've got pains and you've got grief and you've got loss and, and there's quite a lot going in your bag. It, it feels quite weighty and you put it on the seesaw and the seesaw goes down that side because that is your now experience of affliction and hardship. Come to the other side. The glory ahead. And it's as if it's not a rucksack that you get off your back to put on there to see what the balance is. It's as if a forklift truck comes in with a crate of bricks, let's make them golden bricks, puts it on that side of the seesaw, if the seesaw can bear the weight, and it thuds down because future glory is just incomparable with current suffering, however heavy that feels on your back. Keep in view that change of experience, the future experience ahead of you. That's what he's saying, isn't he, here? For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There is a similar verse in Romans 8. We could have spent a bit of time in Romans 8 this morning. I was tempted to, but you have to leave some of these things out. So there's a bit later on about the resurrection and so forth. But we're on verse 18 for this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, one side of the seesaw, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. A change of experience, a change of existence, a massive change. Keep it in view. Just those words, glory and eternal. Glory and eternal, an eternal weight of glory. Says that elsewhere, eternal glory. They just contain so much, don't they? If you think in terms of the future of believers after death, what is the quality? What's the quality of it? Glory. That's just the the peak of words in terms of our satisfaction, our enjoyment of of God, our, our existence. 
glory is ahead. That's the quality. What's the quantity? Eternal, eternal glory. What a couplet. Eternal glory. A change of experience. And where you do know that, believer. Remember what you know. Keep the gaze in view. It made me think of um, a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones' biography, quite a big biography, as you can see, and this is only part two. This is at the end of his life. If you've heard of Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a, a famous preacher last century, very much got people going back to the Word and preaching back in the Word. This is at the end of his life. At one point in these last few days, when his speech had gone, as Elizabeth, as his daughter, sat beside him, he pointed her very definitely to the words of 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. That's what we've just read. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When I asked him, says Elizabeth, if that was his experience now, he nodded his head with great vigour. Reminded me of that. It reminded me, made me think of uh, Ron Bishop as well. Many of you know Ron Bishop, I often refer to him in the last few uh, weeks of his life, when he couldn't speak much, he, he wrote a note uh, to uh, pass on to uh, the doctor who would come and visit uh, so that the doctor knew of his situation. It started, my light affliction. This is started the note. In my light affliction or suffering. And it went through about ten of his symptoms. Tender forelegs, short breath, no speech, difficulty swallowing. And then his note has a big but, but, underlined. And it was followed with, my God is so kind and gracious, my future is so secure. Light affliction, probably didn't feel light in many ways, but that's how easily I'm able to see it there. His light affliction but future so, so secure, a gracious God who is so kind. A change of experience. That's what's talked about. Keep your gaze on that. Brother, sister, keep your gaze on that. Another way of looking at it is a change of home. A change of home. This is especially in the first four verses of chapter 5. As he thinks of his body, he feels it's like a tent, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, he knew about tents, he was a tent maker, he was right into Corinth. Uh, he'd done some work in Corinth as a tent maker. It was probably a place where tents were used quite a bit when the Isthmian Games were on. Then spectators and so would come and uh, they wouldn't have uh, somewhere to stay. So tents would be provided or brought and they were in this temporary accommodation of tents or the sailors came into port and they were in tents for the temporary period. And he thinks of his body as a, a tent 
and he, he feels it, it groans with, with weakness. There's something weaker and less permanent about it as he carries on in verse 2. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on something else. Verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. I guess a fair few of you camping this summer. Can't get far away, so you're looking for a campsite or you found a, a campsite in the UK. We're hoping to do that. We're hoping for better experiences than before in our UK camping. We, we did three years on the trot before we started to go across to France. Three years on the trot of uh, fortnights um, in the UK camping. Uh, thankful to say happy holidays, many blessings, but very, very wet. One, one of the fortnights it rained every single day, at least part of the day. I hope it's better for you and us this year. And uh, our, our tent, we bought a nice new tent, and we're pleased with our tent, but it struggled and it strained under the UK weather. It lasted those six weeks and then clearing the loft out, we, we, we took it to the tip. The last time we used it, five of the poles broke. It, it, it was... It was temporary, it was a tent, it was struggling, it couldn't cope with the weather. And maybe your body feels a bit like that. It's straining under the pressure. It just feels a very short-lived, temporary thing, your body. You wonder how much more can go wrong. You wonder when it will give in, when it will be time up for your body. It's temporary, it's weak, it's fragile. There's a, there's a groaning. This comes out in the Romans 8 passage that I'd have liked to have gone to this morning but can't and can't really explore it now. But let me give you one verse. And not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await for adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. So that's the now. It's this temporary, it's, it's struggling, it's straining, it's tent-like. But ahead, there's a building ahead. There's a building ahead. That's the picture language. Verse 1, For we know that if this tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. Put on a heavenly dwelling. Verse 2. Well, if you go camping, even if you like camping, uh, at the end of it, you're probably pretty pleased. You know, we've had some nice camps when we're in France, and we're still quite pleased to come home to a house. You know, a proper place to live, if you like. Secure and safe and comfortable and nice. There's no, quite, nothing quite like going to your own home. And that's the change. We have a tent now, a body, but the future is secure, better, definite, more solid. It reflects the change in Israel, perhaps, when there was in the early stages of Israel a, a tabernacle, a tent, which was the place of worship, which had to be moved and, and was more temporary, and then it got replaced with the temple in Solomon's day. And our, our future Experience, existence is, is secure and solid. Children, you know the three little pigs 
well, the straw house was no good, the, the, the wood house was no good, but when they were in the brick house, well, the, 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 the wolf really uh, comes to nothing and he, he's stumped, isn't he, when they're in the house, solid, safe. And as Paul thinks of our future, it is secure. Our home is different. We will have a, a new body. This is what it's pointing to, I think, here. We will have a, a new body. And it's described in 1 Corinthians 15. It's described in Philippians 3, but we read that this morning. I was trying to sift out which verse from which message a little bit today because there's overlap. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, the body we will have will be different. I love reading this to those who are you know, really struggling, perhaps decaying, feeling so frail, uh, deteriorating really at the end of their lives. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. And sometimes people suffering can feel very dishonourable, shameful, um, hard. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So a change of home is the picture for you, believer. Something to gaze on, something to remember you know, something to keep you going through the difficulties. But it's put in a, a different way. As well, it emerges this amongst the, the tent imagery. It's also a change of clothes, especially in verses 3 to 5. Let me read those verses. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, with a, a wedding coming, there's been uh, more talk of clothes and outfits in our house than ever before. And we've had our deliveries from phase eight and from Moss Brothers, stuff coming and because we can't go to shop, stuff going back. There's been plenty of talk about clothes. Well, we don't get too worried normally about clothes, but um, if I came down the aisle uh, next um, Saturday and I was wearing my gardening wear and my walking boots and, you know, an old jumper, uh, an old shorts or something, you'd say, well, you must... You must have something better than that. You can't come down in that. Sometimes we're desperate, aren't we, to, to change clothes to something better. You've been in the garden and uh, you've got hot and sweaty and maybe there's even prickles that started to come into your clothes and, and you, want, you want to get those clothes off, you want to have a shower, you want to freshen up, you want to put on something better. Or in these uh, times when socialising has been uh, outside, maybe after the service here or when you've gone to friends and you haven't taken quite enough, you've just worn a T-shirt and it's been quite cold, you can't wait to get, get in and get something warm on to feel secure and comfortable to have something properly on. And that's another picture here of the resurrection. 
this set of clothes, if you like, is taken off. The weak clothes, the unsuitable clothes, the, the dirty clothes, the, the struggling clothes. Uh, not to be less clothed. Okay, we have a, a, a period the Bible talks about where we are awaiting the resurrection of the body. We're, we're, we're with the Lord but awaiting the full fulfilment. Our, our final destination is that new set of clothes which is, which is secure, uh, which is comfortable, which is right. We want to be further clothed, he says in verse 4. And I think we can go a bit further with this to make another link in the New Testament. Less worried about the bride's father and more about the bride. So one of the consolations I'll have next week when I come down is that people won't be looking at me. And we are, in the Bible it says, in the New Testament if we're believers, we are God's bride. We're being made ready for him in the new creation. And this is a reason for great praise in heaven. Revelation 19 and verses 6 to 8. Then I heard what seemed to be the noise of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Alleluia! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. That's our future, that tends to have been entirely appropriate. You know, sometimes we, we get very worried about what we're wearing naturally now. We, we're very sensitive. We can feel quite insecure, perhaps, because we think we haven't got the right things and everyone's going to be looking at us. And it, it's, it's, the experience in glory with the Lord is, is a settledness. We're, we're in the right place. We, we feel we should be there. We feel clothed. We feel secure. We feel comfortable. We're in our resurrection bodies. That's the way it should be. We look forward to being reclothed, to a change of, of clothes. It's put wonderfully in verse 5, end of verse 4. We would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Mortality swallowed up by life. You may have heard this before. When John Owen, he's a, a great Puritan writer of the 1600s, when he lay on his deathbed, his secretary wrote in his name to a friend, I am still in the land of the living. Stop, said Owen. Change that and say, I am yet in the land of the dying, but I hope soon to be in the land of the living. Mortality swallowed up by life. That is the future. Now, a sort of deathly, expecting death, a vulnerability, but then reclothed, life, resurrection, permanence, security. We have a definite future. The spirit is the guarantee. 
He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. It reveals things to you about Jesus. Life is different. You have been changed. You're far from perfect. But the Spirit has woken you up and given you life. It's a guarantee of your future. It's the receipt in your hand. You know that things are going to be okay because the Spirit is at work in you. So keep in view. Remember what you know. Change of experience, a change of home, a change of clothes, and then, if we can put it this way, a a change of... That's not what I wanted. I meant to change that last one. Copying and paste doesn't always help. A change of company, that should say. A change of company. Verses 6 to 8 is correct though. A big problem with our earthly existence is that we are away from the Lord. That's what it says in verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We believe, we see by faith, we see his glory, uh, we get a, a wonderful glimpse and understanding, but it is not by sight, verse 7 carries on, for we walk by faith, not by sight. There is still a great joy in it, a tremendous joy, so that Peter, in his first letter, can write to suffering Christians in verse 8, though you have not seen him, talking of Jesus, you love him, though you do not Now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. But we want most of all to be with the Lord. Verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We have that prospect of a change of company, a change of companionship. And it especially, it is to be with the Lord. You remember what Paul says, perhaps you know of it in Philippians, where he puts it like this in chapter 1 and verse 23. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. A better future because you're with Christ. And though your love for Jesus is weaker than you'd like, and though it goes up and down, you you do love him. And he is your saviour. And your greatest joy on earth is to know more about him and be aware of his love. And so to be with him in that final, permanent way is it's just what life's all about, isn't it? And it's just what you're most looking forward to when you're in your right mind. Job, Old Testament Job, you know how much he suffered. And yet he could say this, even in Old Testament chimes in Job 19 and verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth 
and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Change of companionship. It made me think of another thing I came across. Um, It was quite a good few years ago now when I went on a a preaching conference and uh, one of the tutors on the conference was a name, uh, a person called Mark Ashton. He seemed a very nice, gentle Christian minister. He was based in Cambridge. And then I heard a few years later, this would have been about 2007, that uh, even though still, I think in his perhaps 60s I think it was, he had been diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. Uh, He wrote up his experience in this little booklet, perhaps you've come across it, On My Way to Heaven, Facing Death with Christ, Mark Ashton. And uh, this is one thing he says towards the end. So it is in terms of relating to him, that's Jesus, that I must understand my death. Jesus will be the same. Indeed, he will be more real and more true than he has ever been before. It will be his voice that will call me into his presence. He will take himself, he will take, he will himself take me to be with him. John 14.3 So that I may be with him forever. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It has been said that for the believer, the end of the world is more of a person than it is an event. That is certainly true of the end of my life. My death may be the event with which physical life on earth ends, but will also be the moment at which my relationship with Jesus becomes complete. That relationship is the only thing that has made sense of my physical life and at my death it will be everything. It's the great culmination in in the Bible, isn't it, of God's felt presence with his people. Revelation 21 has a loud voice. And I heard a loud voice, verse 3, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away. God himself will be with them as their God. A change of company. I was talking this week uh, to someone who's rarely been out of the house the last 18 months. Yet that person had known God's help through the difficulties. And as I talked with her, she added, each day is a day nearer being with the Lord. 
Each day is a day nearer being with the Lord. If on earth, after the resurrection, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, how much more will we be at the end of our lives glad when we see the Lord? The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. So keep the gaze on the future. Life is hard. Keep the gaze forward. Remember what you know. Take courage. The Christian life is hard. Keep your gaze forward. Remember what you know. Take courage. Christian service is hard. Keep your gaze forward. Remember what you know. Take courage. Well, I hope it's been a help to be in this passage this evening. I'll give you just a little while to pray over some aspect which has helped and encouraged you and then I'll close in prayer. Oh Lord, we just feel so privileged to be Christians. We feel so privileged to know such a wonderful hope, a certain hope in front of us. We know at one point we were without hope in this world and it's you that's changed it for us. We see some of our friends, maybe our family, who don't have a great hope in front of them and we're sad for them. We thank you that because of your kindness and mercy it's so different for us. Lord, we know we have many things to enjoy in this life. Good things from your hand, we're thankful for them. But we also know that in this broken world there is much suffering and that some here go through a lot of suffering and that for all of us there will be deterioration and decline. And we're just so thankful to think beyond, to have our gaze lifted to the certainties of the future, for our experience of eternal glory, for the sense of security in the home provided, in being so suitably clothed, in having that glorified resurrection body and glorified resurrection mind free from its current traumas and difficulties and struggles we thank you especially as you said to the thief today you will be with me in paradise so it is the future for all saved sinners to be with Christ to behold his glory Lord may it lead us to take courage and to not lose heart in our life, in our Christian life, and in our service. We pray in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Thank you, William.